morning. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here this morning. Um, man, the Lord is good. How, about, how many of you know the Lord is good, man? The Lord has woke us up this morning. Uh, this is the day that he has made, and we ought to rejoice and be glad in it, right? Uh, and so I'm so thankful to be here. Again, my name is Alex Woods, uh, originally from Philadelphia, um, and I brought my beautiful family, so my beautiful wife. You can go to the next slide. You can, you can, you can go to the next slide. Yeah, here, here is us. So uh, my wife, Brittany. Brittany is originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, and we met two years ago, um, three years ago. Dang, three years ago. Uh, April 10th. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we got married April 10th, 2021. I know that date, right? You know what I mean? So uh, and then Micah. Micah Serena is our baby girl. She's asleep right now. But this is a picture when we first got her. Look at her. She's super small. She's not that small right now. She, she done gained some pounds. So, um, uh, so yeah, we're thankful for her. Um, many sleepless nights, uh, many, many joyful mornings. But, uh, yeah, this is my beautiful family. So, yeah, you keep going. Uh, and this is me, man. This is me uh, doing what I love to do. So I'm a campus director at Howard University uh, for campus outreach. Um, and here are some of my students right here. We had a HBCU kind of fall retreat with, like, different HBCUs. So A&T and... Um, Benedict College, and then uh, Payne University as well, um, all together to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. Uh, I'm going to pray for us before we get into it. Can I pray again, please? Yeah. Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity, uh, Lord, that, that we get to experience your mercies uh, that are new each and every morning. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who, uh, who loves us. Um, you love us. Uh, just that much to send your only son to die for us. And so, Lord, I pray as we hear uh, from you this morning, Lord, that we uh, will not only just be excited about missions, but we'll be moved uh, to do missions, Lord God. Lord, we thank you that uh, our own Lord and Savior was a missional Savior. Uh, Lord, he came to earth to um, share about himself. And so how much more should we share about him? So, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be in this place uh, we pray these things, um, knowing that you're a God that does far greater than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Next slide, please. Who will be the next you? Uh, this is a question that I ask my student leaders. Um, that's a part of campus outreach at Howard University. I asked them this, this beginning of this last semester, who will be the next you. And that question is not just a question um, for them to kind of multiply their own personality. That question is for them to multiply themselves for the sake of the gospel. I was asking them that question so they could be thinking about, man, who will be here when I leave? Right? You only get four years in college. right? They're leaving. But I wanted them to think about, man, who is going to replace me? Who is going to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ when I go? Right? And so that is the question that I'm posing to you. That is the question that I constantly ask myself. And that's the question I believe that the Lord asks us. Who is going to be the next us? It's not about sharing, you know, making carbon copies of yourself. It's about who is going to make disciples here on earth. And so you can go to the next slide. So, y'all, I'm going to do a brief testimony, uh, if y'all don't mind. So, yeah, Alex Woods grew up in Philadelphia. Um, my parents are on the way, but... I grew up in the church. I was in church every day, you know what I mean? Almost every day. Some of y'all know about that. Uh, 
but yeah, grew up in the church. My mom was heavily involved. My dad was a pastor. Um, and so I was in the church even though I didn't want to be. You know what I'm saying? So uh, this is me. Senior year, got my acceptance letter. Um, I was super excited. I think it was early admin as well. I mean, my face doesn't tell. It doesn't show that I was excited, but I was excited, you know. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, again, like I said, grew up in a church. Uh, and then one thing about me, I just want to kind of share this until I get to this point. Uh, one thing about me, grew up in a church, but I did not really enjoy the church. Uh, I was there because my parents wanted me to be. And I think there are some of you in here, some of these kids in here that are here because of that. Somebody didn't force you to come. You didn't want to be here. Uh, maybe you have wanted to be here, but so, you know, my experience was I did not want to be there. I was very ashamed of the gospel. Um, I wanted nothing to do with Christianity. I wanted to get as far as I could get from Christianity. Um, the reason why is because everybody would look at me as the church boy, and I did not want to be looked at as that. I wanted to be just like the world. I wanted to be just like my friends who didn't have to go to church. Uh, but then my, my junior year, uh, high school, I came into church, sat down, and just a little bit more background. When I used to go to church, I used to go just to try to like get through the service. So I'm trying to make fun of people, trying to laugh, just so I could get through the service. And that's not good now, but um, I was not listening to the sermon at all. Uh, so my junior year, though, I stepped into the pew or sat down in the pew, um, and this guy, this kind of uh, guest preacher, came in, and he started to talk about, man, where does your identity rest? When I heard that, that kind of perked my ears up a little bit. I'm like, hold on, what is he about to talk about? And so he said, where does your identity rest? He said, are you, are you focused so much on trying to be like the world or trying to be like other people that you're losing yourself? He said, are you trying to please people, right, who does not even care about you um, instead of being with the Lord Jesus who does care about you? And that struck me. I mean, I was trying to be somebody I wasn't. And maybe that's some of you here today, right? Some of you kids here today. Are you trying to be like the world, like your friends? Or, or do you want to feel the security and love of Christ Jesus? And so, man, that struck me. Uh, I won't say I became a believer at that time, but I think the Lord did awaken me by his spirit. And so I was, uh, you know, went throughout my, throughout my junior year, my senior year, um, trying to pursue the Lord. I wasn't, I wasn't a believer. I, I probably needed to be discipled. Um, but the Lord was sustaining me. But I got to my freshman year at Howard University, and I said to the Lord, Lord, I love you, right? And I want to serve you, but I want to serve myself first. So wait till I graduate from Howard for me to serve you. And I know the Lord laughed just like that. He laughed just like that. And so uh, that was my whole mentality. I wanted to go to school so I can go crazy and do my own thing. Um, but the Lord had other plans. So you go to the next slide. This is me, freshman year, uh, in my freshman dorm, Drew Hall University at Howard University, um, ready, to, ready to just get into some mess. That's what I was trying to do. I mean, I'm smiling, but I was trying to get into some mess. And so, um, yeah, that's me. So freshman year, sophomore year, I did just that. Um, I was in sin. I did a lot of things that, you know, the Lord, um, the Lord spared me in, but I was deep in sin. And so um, as I was navigating my sophomore year, uh, at my, in my spring semester, my sophomore year, the Lord stopped me in my tracks. Um, I came in so I was smoking uh, marijuana during that time, and I came in contact with something called synthetic marijuana. Uh, and with that, I mean, people have different kind of effects with that, but for me, uh, it gave me um, severe anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. Um, and in that moment, though, in the turmoil, in the darkness, that's when the Lord met me. 
uh, I think in that moment, the Lord said, uh, well, he, I was feeling like the Lord was saying, man, the things of the world pale in comparison to the things of me. I felt that deeply. I thought about my parents who raised me in the church. I said, man, their life with Christ is far greater than his life without them. And so for me, man, that was the moment I said, you know what, Lord, I want to follow you. The things of the college experience, the things of the world does not compare to you. And so uh, from there, my, uh, my, my, my junior year, uh, I became a, a part of a ministry by the name of Campus Outreach. You can go to the next slide. Uh, and I met this guy. Uh, his name is Jonathan Morgan. So I met Jonathan Morgan at the, the, the Howard University McDonald's. And so we sat down, and he sat across from me and said this. He said, man, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. His whole job was to disciple young men to become better disciples of Christ. And so that was, that was something that I had wanted for a while. Right? He sat down and told me, that. I'm like, man, this dude is amazing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Man, why would somebody just be here just to be here for me, right? But I think in his mind, kind of he told me this later down the line, he had in his mind, man, who is going to be the next me? Who is going to be the next me? And so he discipled me. He showed me how to read my Bible. He showed me how to pray, how to share the gospel, how to do a lot. Um, and I'm so thankful for him. Go to the next slide. And this is me as a student with some of the Howard folks. You got is. You got some white folks at Howard, just so y'all know. Like, it's like a little, spring, a little sprinkle of them. You got my man with the dreads. That's my man, Pete. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, this is me um, enjoying my, my life as a believer. I'm a new believer here. This is something called our New Year's Conference uh, with Campus Outreach. And it's just a bunch of college students in one place having fun for Jesus. So uh, you can go to the next slide. This is me now. This is me now with my Howard crew. Um, and I think it moves me to think about um, Jonathan asking himself the question, who would be the next you, and actually seeing it come to fruition, right? So who will be the next you? Never in a million years did I think that I would be doing what I'm doing now. I ain't going to college to, to, to be a minister of the gospel. I went to college to be in sin. I wanted to be like everybody else, but the Lord has something else in mind, so that's just a little bit about me. You go to the next slide. So yeah, Matthew 18, 16 to 20. This is kind of, with this question that I'm asking, it's kind of founded on, who will be the next you? Uh, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, and, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. And remember, I'm with you to the end of the age. So he just really, really focused on verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and verse 20 as well. And so I believe um, Jesus had in mind, I mean, although the question is not directly posed in this passage, Jesus had in mind um, when he asked the disciples to make disciples, he had in mind who was going to be the next you. He wanted them to believe uh, that there were some next yous out there for them. So the disciples was charged to find their next you, just as we are charged to find the next us.
So y'all hear, and not just in the church, in, in religious things in general. And I can attest to that. I mean, I, I work at Howard University. I can see this visibly. I mean, you come to church, I mean, sorry, you come to the campus and I'm engaging with students and many of them had not gone to church at all before. Uh, I think in years prior, I mean, I've been doing this for six years. Uh, I've been seeing, you know, I've seen students come and say, yeah, I grew up in the church, but I don't really go anymore. But now this current generation has not grown up in the church at all. So for you who are in here right now, it's a blessing. Even though you might not want to be here, it's a blessing that you're growing up in the church. I don't even know if you think about, man, how, uh, how much of a blessing that is. And so um, Gen Z just kind of has no religious affiliation. I mean, it's increasingly uh, going up. So you can keep going. And here's some campus ministry statistics. So yo, right now, um, there are currently close to 80,000 students who are enrolled in, in seminary in North America. 80,000 students who are enrolled in seminary in North America. Why is this significant? Well, I bring this up to say, man, I think there are more than enough pastors and aspiring pastors in seminary. I think there are not enough laborers for the gospel of Christ. There are more than enough people who come and plant churches and do their thing. Amen to that. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for church planters. I'm grateful for pastors. But there are not enough people who are willing to give their life for the sake of the gospel. And so that's a striking statistic for me uh, because, man, I think we need to do better than that. Uh, the, the next Go back, please. Next one. Only 7.2% of campus ministry workers are black compared to 75% of campus ministry workers who are white in North America. That's significant. That's a, a crazy, like, that's a crazy gap. 7.2 and 75% of campus ministry uh, workers that are white and black, um, that's why I do what I do. And I want to see more campus ministry workers who are black emerge from the college campus. Um, and then third statistic, the number of college students in the U.S. with no religious affiliation has tripled in the last 30 years from 10% in 1986 to 31% in 2016, and it's continuing to increase. Um, and so we need to be doing our due diligence to raise up laborers for the gospel of Christ. And then the last thing, it says most theologians would agree that the college campus is the most strategic place for the gospel to go forth to the nation. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, the college campus has about every vocation that you can think about, right? Each and every person that comes on the college campus is going to a different context. And so we want to bring the gospel. We want them to bring the gospel into each and every context they go through. And so I think that's why it's the most strategic place. They're going all across the world. And wouldn't it be a beautiful thing to see them bring the gospel to, 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 um, to, the, uh, to, to medical school, to, to lawyers, to um, you know, missions, anywhere? Right? They're going each and every place with the gospel. And so I think it's the most strategic place because of that. So um, campus ministry statistics, you can keep going. Why am I in campus ministry? Well, this is campus outreach's mission, um, but this is also what I believe in personally as well. Uh, why? To glorify God by building laborers on the college campus for the lost world. We want to glorify God, right? Make much of him by building laborers, right, those who, who will carry on the gospel of Jesus Christ on the college campus for the lost world. Keep going. And we, we get this mission statement from here, Matthew 9. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Right? The, the laborers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. And I think this goes right to that first statistic I brought up. Man, there, there are not enough laborers here in the, in the world, here in America. Let me say that. Um, and we want to see more go out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So keep going. So what is a laborer? I'm going to read this. I know you guys can't really see. It's pretty small. But what is a laborer? Uh, here's the acronym. We kind of broke it down. One, L, the laborer lives in the security of God's love. Labor lives in the security of God's love. The, the laborer understands their position in Christ. They know that I've been set free by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're motivated and compelled by understanding God's love for them. So they're not motivated by, by making much of themselves. They're not motivated by trying to share, you know, just, you know, so they can say that I did it and get notoriety for it. No, they want to make sure they're doing it out of a motivation because they've been loved by God and they want to see others experience the love of God as well. So lives in the security of God's love. A, uh, aims for Christ-likeness in all things, right? So a laborer desires to have the character of Christ in all things. Laborers live in integrity. They don't live a double life. They live a life, you know, not just trying to do things for the sake of ministry. They're doing things behind closed doors that makes them a laborer, right? They're, they're prayer. They're in their word, right? They're, they're doing these things not for the sake of notoriety. And then here we go. Does everything with the mindset of glorifying God. So one thing I do know is that we like to say that we want to glorify God. But what we really mean by that is I'm going to say this just so I can say it, but we really want to get praise from others. But the laborer doesn't do it for praise for others. Uh, he does it or she does it for the praise of God. So aims for Christ-likeness in all things. B, builds life around the Great Commission. So seeing every resource they have as belonging to God um, and thus ordered, um, everything they are and possess is given to pursuing love, uh, loving God, and making disciples. They give their life to making disciples, period. Uh, let's keep going. Owns their walk with God. Living about personal convictions, not borrowed convictions. Right, their, their convictions come from the word of God, not just something they conjured up out of nowhere. They're convincing, or sorry, their convictions grounded in wrestling personally over issues with the word as their source. So with their kind of personal issues that they have, they're not just saying, you know what? The, the word of God says this, but I'm just going to say this anyway. No, they say, no, man, even though I might not disagree or I might not agree with God's word right now, I know it's true. I don't want to abide by that. So owns their walk with God. R, relates properly to the local church. A laborer makes sure they're connected with the body. If you see a laborer that's not connected with the body, I would be very afraid. Right? They understand the responsibility to edify all members of the body, understand the biblical necessity of the local church, sees church involvement as important. And then E, evangelizes as a lifestyle. We just talked about that around the Great Commission. And R, reproduces third-generation disciples. So the laborer is committed to investing in other men and passing on things they have been entrusted with, men and women. Sorry about that. Um, so, yeah, that's the labor acronym. So what is a labor? Those things. Keep going. Next slide, please. How do we build laborers? How do we build laborers? Well, most importantly, I mean, it's not up here, but prayer. Nothing gets done without prayer. It doesn't matter what strategy you have. It doesn't matter, you know, what you conjure up. If it's not soaked in prayer, uh, I would be very afraid, right? So, um, so you know, start out with prayer, you end with prayer, you have prayer all throughout it. But here we go. 
engage, right? A laborer engages student with the intent of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what I do is say, you know what, man, let's get lunch. Let's get coffee, right? I'm not doing it so that I can kind of have a statistic. But what I'm doing is saying, you know what, I want to I genuinely build a relationship with you. But in the back of my mind, I'm doing this for the sake of your life changing. Like, I always have the intent of you becoming a laborer or uh, you becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. So as you engage, you engage students with the intent of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then you evangelize. Sharing the gospel or evangelize students with the gospel of Christ. So as we get meals, as we meet up one-on-one, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, one of those days, I know it might not be the, the first time we meet up, but maybe the second or the third or the fourth, I'm going to say, man, you know what I believe? I believe in this, and I want to share this with you. Right? That's kind of how we build laborers. And then thirdly, establish. Right? So once you've met up with a student or someone, and once you share the gospel with them, you want to establish them. Right? If they say, man, I believe in this, and they've repented um, and put their faith in Christ, you say, you know what? I'm going to establish you. I'm going to teach you the things that a disciple should know. Right? So I'm going to teach you how to read your word. I'm going to teach you how to uh, study scripture. I'm going to teach you these things so you can be an established believer of Jesus Christ. And now and next I'm going to equip. Right? I'm going to equip you with tools so that you can establish someone else. Right? I'm going to equip you with the tools to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else. And then export. Right? Export graduates into places of service for Christ. So as they leave university, we want them to be engaged, evangelized, established, and equipped for the sake of the gospel. Right? As they go into the, the workplace or they go to grad school or they go to anything else, we want them to have the gospel with them. So how do we build laborers? These things. Go to the next slide, please. So marks of a labor, marks of a labor. What are the marks of a labor? Well, number one, evangelism, evangelism. A laborer is committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. The laborer is committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're, they're, this is just uh, not just like a, a performative thing, right? They're not doing it just on a college campus or whatever context they find themselves in. They're doing this thing at all times, right? They're making sure their life is a testament to the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so that's the mark of a laborer. Number two, discipleship. Laborers not only disciple, but they're being discipled, right? Somebody is pouring into them as they pour into someone else. That's the mark of a laborer. If somebody is not getting discipled and they're seeking to disciple others, again, you should be very afraid, right? And then the local church. The laborer is connected uh, to a healthy local church like this one, right? The laborer should be under the authority of the local church. So us as Campus Outreach, uh, we're not a parachurch ministry. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. But, uh, yeah, we're not just coming alongside the local church. We're actually under the authority of the local church. So we're not just making decisions just because we want to, right? We're under the authority of pastors and elders who shape us and who shape our ministry. So, um, so those are the marks of a laborer. Here we go. You, therefore, this is one of my favorite verses. This is what I commit my life to. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Will you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. So you go to the next slide. So y'all, here's some of my guys, right? This is like my first discipleship group. So discipleship group and campus outreach, I mean, we just have a group of guys who we go a little deeper with, right? We read scripture. We confess sin. We pray for one another. We read gospel books, right? We, we, we do these things to, to build up each other. And so these are some of my guys that I got to pour into for the last four years. 
Um, so on the left, that's my man Tony. Tony is a character. You can see he's smiling like it already. But Tony, um, Tony is a is a character. But Tony is doing amazing things. He graduated with a degree in computer science, um, and now he goes to the church that I go to, and he's serving in the church. He's a he's a committed member of the church. He has uh, you know a, a lot of friends in the church, and that's what he's committed to, right? That's what we want to see as laborers. I want to see him be a member and possibly be an elder or something like that one of these days. And so, man, I'm thankful for Tony. I got my man Jalen in the back. Jalen, he actually went to Stronghold. I don't know if you guys um, are familiar with his family. But Jalen, uh, he, got, he got a whole bunch of brothers. But Jalen went to Howard University. Uh, he graduated with, I think, a sports uh, business degree. And now he's in Atlanta. He's working with a company by the name of Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report is kind of a major company. Um, but anyway, he also is committed to the local church. So he also is a member. He's, he's walking in obedience with the Lord and with the scriptures. And, and so that's what I want to see, man. I, I can care less about the kind of fancy Bleacher Report stuff. I want to see him be a faithful, committed uh, believer of Jesus Christ who's seeking to multiply his life. So then we got my man Tommy. In the middle, he's doing great things as well. And then Zuri, Zuri's in Cali. Uh, he works for Google, but also is a member of a local church, right? And then Faraji, Faraji just got married last year, and I was his best man. And um, it was a sweet thing to see. And, uh, and so, yeah, his wife also works for the ministry that I work for. And they also are committed to a healthy local church and serving. And so just to see all of that, just to see what the Lord has done with me saying, you know what, who's going to be the next me? And seeing the Lord use me for the sake of these guys right here who are all in the church, who are all serving, doing so, not, you know, kind of begrudgingly, but doing so out of a faithful commitment to Christ. That's what you want to see, man. That's what I want to see. So anyway, those are my guys. Um, here are my, my next group of guys, right? These are the guys that I'm currently discipling. Uh, we got, I'm not going to go through all of them. We got AJ, Seb, and Josh, and that's a guy that I work, work with, the Asian guy, Alex, and then Matthew, and then Josiah and another Matthew. And so these guys are also fun, and they're loving Jesus. So this was, I mean, we had a Philly trip. I, I showed them my, my hometown, and we did a lot of things. And so, yeah, these are some great guys as well. Keep going. So why Howard University? Well, here's some facts about Howard. Um, Howard's enrollment has approximately 9,689 undergraduate, graduate, and professional students representing 45 U.S. states as well as nine different nations. So y'all, sometimes the nations come to us, right? Sometimes, right, what we're seeking to do, making disciples of all nations, they come to us. And so Howard has that unique capability, okay? And then Howard has been ranked as the number one HBCU in the country. Number one HBCU. And so I'm not sorry about that. Anybody that go to any other HBCUs, I'm a Howard grad myself. So, that, you know, we are, we are like that. Um, and then thirdly, Howard is, leading, is the leading producer of African-American students entering into medical school in the U.S. Uh, Howard, the Howard School of Business earned the number one spot by Princeton Review as the greatest opportunity for minority students. Howard is the number one producer of African-Americans earning degrees in communications. And Howard is the only HBCU to be ranked in the top 100 on the U.S. News and World Report Best Colleges. So Howard, y'all, is a premier university, which means we have the unique opportunity to make laborers or build laborers so they can be in those premier spaces as well, right? We just don't, I mean, I'm glad about these facts. These things are great. 
But they mean nothing if the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't going forth into these spaces. And so um, we have the unique opportunity to pour into students as they enter into these spaces. So those are some facts about Howard. But why am I, or why Howard University, you can go next. Personally, for me, simple. My hope and prayer is to see black men and women become godly black men and women. Right? Black men and women become godly black men and women. So we can be, we can be, yeah, we can be excited and, you know, grateful and happy to see, you know, our babies go to college and see them accomplish great things. But it means nothing, right? Those things are momentary. It means nothing if the gospel isn't involved. And so, man, I want to see them become godly black men and women. I want to see these guys become godly husbands, godly fathers, pastors of churches, um, you know, great in the workplace. I want to see women become godly women, right? Right in, uh, in the workplace, wherever they find themselves. I want to see that happen. So that's my personal um, why I'm at Howard University. Keep going. What has God already done at Howard? What has God already done at Howard? So, y'all, before I go any further, I just want to shine light on these group of people. So these are our student leaders. So with Campus Outreach, we believe as a ministry, we are student-led and staff-directed. So what that means is it's not just the staff just doing everything and the students just following along. No, we're directing them, but we're saying, yo, y'all take the charge. We want you guys to shape the ministry. We want you guys to be the laborers on the campus. And so these group of students have been a part of something amazing happening at Howard. They, they are who uh, shaped our ministry, and they, they are the, the students who have made the ministry flourish at Howard. I mean, the Lord has done it, but they have done a lot of work. So I'm very thankful for them, our student leaders. So let's keep going. So, y'all, I just want to give some... Um, 2022 to 2023 school year statistics, right? So this, this, is, this isn't for the sake of numbers, right? I'm not a numbers guy. Like, success isn't something that I'm like, man, we got these numbers. That means, you know, whatever. Like, that's not, we're not about metrics with the gospel, right? But we can kind of give praise to the Lord with these numbers, right? These things don't kind of define us, but we want to make sure to, to give uh, praise to God for them, right? And so, so, y'all, 805 followers on Instagram. Um, y'all, that might seem insignificant, but we started with, like, 300 this year. And to see the Lord grow our ministry in that way is amazing. It's amazing. We got 318 members on our group, me. I mean, we started at zero this year. And to see that happen is amazing. 70-plus students at our annual Labor Day cookout. So, y'all, uh, again, I've been in this for six years. The average student that, or the average amount of students that will come would be about like 20 or 25. Yeah, 70 plus this year. Incredible. Uh, 50 plus students at our average, or sorry, on average at our Wednesday night Bible study. So this is kind of men and women. Um, and y'all, I mean, we're used to seeing maybe 20, 25. Yeah, 50 plus. It's crazy. 35 students at our winter retreat. Again, something the Lord has done. 30 students at uh, CO Citywide. 25 students at our HBCU Fall Connect, 20 students at our New Year's Conference, 15 students at our summer project, six students became members at our campus church, significant, four professions of faith, and then two baptisms. So I want to just kind of highlight those three, those last three things. Appreciate it. Um, you know, six students becoming members at our campus church. I mean, students don't commit themselves to the local church. So for them to actually make a decision and say, you know what, I'm going to go through the membership classes and I'm going to commit, not because you made me, 
or you coerced me, but I'm going to commit because the Lord has allowed me to. That's significant to see six of them do that. And then four professions of faith, right? We're not just, yeah, as Campus Outreach, we're not just preaching this thing, man, like, yeah, you can just get, you know, become a Christian and the Lord is all about you. Everything is about, that's not what we're preaching. We're preaching the, the real gospel of Jesus Christ. And for them to make a profession of faith because of the real gospel is significant, very significant. And then two baptisms, right? Them actually saying, you know what? I want to show up to the world that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Significant, y'all. So I'm thankful for the Lord for these statistics right here. Keep going. So what does ministry look like at Howard? There are a lot of things. I'm not going to go through all of them, but discipleship group, college lunch, which after church, we have members host lunch for the college students. Um, Transportation to church. We take students to church on Sunday. Uh, Org fair, worship nights, uh, HBCU retreat. Um, There's a lot of things. One-on-one Bible studies, community service. We do a lot with this ministry at Howard, right? All for the goal of making disciples. So Let's keep going. So what are some highlights at Howard? So in 2018, uh, when I first began, I actually raised support in 2017, but in 2018, when I first entered on the campus, uh, we started with a new church partnership, right? And so uh, originally, we were under the, well, we still are under the authority of a particular church, which is majority white. And in 2018, um, the Lord graciously allowed us to be a part of a church that's majority black. Wow. And so, yeah, so we had Howard students not having to go through hoops or uh, unnecessarily be kind of distracted by things for the gospel to go forth. We say, you know what, man, let's eliminate these barriers. Let's make sure we make it as clear as possible for the gospel to go forth with students. And so um, man, we're now at a church called Anacostia River Church. Uh, it's an amazing church. Uh, yeah, so... That's, that what, that's what happened in 2018. And so that's when we first started. It was a little bit smaller, you see, but it was a great group. Let's keep going. Uh, in 2019, we had a spring break trip that we took to Philly. So this is us uh, at a school in South Philadelphia, where I'm from. Uh, it's called Alden Reed. Uh, and we brought GW students. So uh, just a little background. How I'm at Campus Outreach in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, we're at about, I think, four campuses, American University, George Washington, GW, and Howard University. And we took the opportunity as Howard, and we said, you know what? Let's invite our GW brothers and sisters. And they came to Philly, and we did some community service with the students, and we did a, uh, I think we did something in the pantry and stuff like that. So that was a really great highlight. So it was really good. Keep going. Our very first HBCU Fall Connect. So what we did here, we had students from A&T, like I said, Payne, Benedict College, all come together. Um, to hear the gospel, right? All come together for them to relate to one another and say, you know what? You love Jesus. I love Jesus too. Let's have fun, right? As HBCUs. And so that was our very first one. Amazing turnout. Uh, You can keep going. Our very first HU fall retreat. So in 2022, me and a sister right here, her name is Kayla. Uh, She had the peace sign up at the end. We said, you know what? Let's do a, a retreat for us. Just Howard students, Howard University students. And we did that, right? And we had over 60 students come through. Um, and so that was an amazing time. We did paintball. We did trampoline part. You know, we heard from God's word. And so I'm just very proud of this moment. This was a great, great retreat that the Lord has allowed us to have. And so let's keep going. Uh, yeah, another thing that I'm very excited about uh, as a highlight is the HU Men's Bible Study. Uh, we had two-time NBA All-Star Allen Houston come through. And he shares some, some words of encouragement for, for these guys. And so another thing about 
what we do at Howard, we have a men's Bible study. And so all of these men uh, are committed to hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, that was another highlight from uh, my time at Howard. And then you keep going. And yeah, this past semester, I had a conversation with a New York Times bestselling author and Grammy Award winning artist, Lecrae. Lecrae came through, and we had a great, great conversation. It was like a Q&A forum. Uh, and students got to ask him questions about the music business and about the gospel of Jesus Christ and stuff like that. And so um, it was a really great time. This was probably, probably my top highlight, man. I had a really fun time doing this, moderating the conversation. Um, and so, yeah, those are just a few highlights. So what's next for the Woods family? What's next for the Woods family? C.O. Lusaka. C.O. Lusaka. And so let's keep going. So why Lusaka, Zambia? Why Lusaka, Zambia? Well, one, um, first and foremost, uh, Lusaka defines themselves as the, a Christian nation, right? They say that, man, they're, they're a Christian nation, uh, but uh, in actuality, it's kind of like America, where they say they're Christian, but their lives don't live uh, in accordance to the gospel. And so uh, in Zambia, uh, what would you say, about 90% would say that they're Christian, but only actually like 15 or 20% actually live out the gospel. And so that's why we're going. We would say, you know what? We have the unique tools to address this. But why else? Well, another reason is because we want to see Zambians. You can go back. We want to see Zambians, native Zambians, uh, share the gospel. And we want to see them go. Uh, so Zambia is in southern Africa. We want to see them go all the way up to northern Africa for the gospel to go forth. So we see here something called the 1040 window. Uh, the 1040 window just basically consists of northern Africa, the Middle East, and Southeast Asia, called the 1040 window. You, you guys may have heard of this uh, because it's between 10 and 40 degrees north latitude. Um, and so these are the most unreached people groups here um, in the world. And so we want to see Zambians take the gospel to these unreached people groups. So that's why Zambia. Keep going. So this is us with their student leaders. We went to Zambia in about, I guess, two years ago now? Last year, sorry. <laughs> we went to Zambia last year, and we got the have fun with uh, the students there and the staff there. And this is us at the campus um, in Zambia. And so just want to keep going. So what will my role be? So I'll be discipling students and training staff and student leaders to reach this generation of Zambians. So that will be my goal. Brittany, you go to the next slide. My wife, she'll be working with the local church to mobilize Zambian believers to carry the gospel cross-culturally. Um, and so that's what she'll be doing. Let's keep going. And so some prayer requests for us. We, we're trusting God for support, uh, for raising, uh, support raising for, for our visas, for the documentation for the baby and et cetera. Um, and you can also pray that we'll finish up well. I want to finish up well my responsibilities at Howard. And then just for a healthy marriage and that we will parent Micah well during our transition. So that's some prayer requests for us. Um, you, you keep going. Support needs. So, y'all, we, you know, for us, we're thankful um, for anything the Lord gives us, but we just want to say, man, if you would have liked to, we would love for you to support us spiritually through prayer, um, through words of encouragement. We would love that from you guys, but also financially. We, we need to get there. Um, and the Lord uh, uses his people to, to give so that we can get on the field. And so um, those are just some of the needs that we have personally as a family. Let's keep going. So right now we have about 23% of our kind of one-time goal raised. 
Um, and we want to see that go to 100. And so we're praying and asking the Lord to provide for us. And um, you keep going. Our support goal for monthly support is about $8,760. Um, that's what we're kind of looking for as a family. We're asking for people to provide uh, between 50 and 150 a month for us. And then all support is tax deductible. So if you find yourself interested, uh, please talk to me after the service. So keep going. So yeah, again, if you want to financially participate in God's work in Zambia, we have a QR code that you can click on. If you want to receive, if you want to receive our newsletter updates, um, you could do that by clicking on that QR code as well. Um, yeah, this, if you just want to hear about what's going on in Zambia, so you can do either either one. Um, yeah, you can do it. Just put your phone up. Boom, easy. Yeah, your camera. Sorry. Um, but you can go back. You can go back after I kind of wrap up. Yeah, I think it's on a car. Okay. It's, yeah, hold on. We'll, we'll figure it out. Is there another slide after this? Yeah. So, y'all, who the next you? That's the question that I started with, and that's the question that I want to end with. As I went throughout this whole entire presentation, I just showed you how the Lord moved someone from not being interested in the gospel to giving his life to the gospel in Lusaka, Zambia. And I don't want to say that just to kind of promote myself, but I do want to say that to say, man, who could be that next person for you? Or if you're sitting here right now, could you be the next person to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ um, in whatever context you find yourself in? So, um, yeah, that's all I got for you guys. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, but, yeah, here go the QR code. Alex, I'm going to ask you to come back up in case there are any questions. Do we have any questions? Yeah, that's a good question. I had a slide up there. I don't know. If, I don't know where the other presentation is, but there's a bunch of like uh, kind of religious, like what the religious climate is on college on the college campus. And so I think currently what students are facing or Gen Z, uh, some of the difficulties in uh, kind of addressing them is one, they're a, a, a generation that prioritizes authenticity, right? So if you're not real, they're not trying to hear from you at all. If you're not keeping it real with them, if you're not showing them everything, if you're not like being honest, they're not trying to hear from you. And so what we try to do on Howard University's campus is say, you know what? We want to be honest about what people are going through. We're not going to hide sin. We're not going to hide the things that you're struggling with. We're going to talk about them openly. And so authenticity is one thing that I think sometimes can be a hindrance to people entering in and um, for them receiving from others. I think, what was the question again? The climate, the climate, we got students who um, participate in things called like syncretism, right? If you guys know what that means, that means like they're plucking from every religion and saying, you know what, this is, this is like true belief. So they're plucking from Islam, they're plucking from Christianity, they're saying, I want African spirituality, and then putting it all in one thing and saying, this is truth. And so that's kind of what we're working with as well. We're also working with people who are just apathetic. They're like, hey, yeah, I just don't really care. So... That's what they, I mean, that's what they say straight up. And so that's another thing that we're kind of having to work through as well. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, with Gen Z. Yeah, they're just a generation who, 
prioritizes like hyper spirituality. So they, I mean, they're saying things like, I'm just gonna make a silly example. They're like, man, this chair is lined up right here. That means my life is lined up in an, and it's like, bro, what are you, what are you saying? Like, oh, dude, this, this, yeah, this, this chair is gonna allow me to have a chair next to God and, and this stuff like that, right? We're dealing with people having to address stuff like that. And then I think um, this kind of this like new age prosperity. What I mean by that is that it's not, students aren't kind of, um, I guess, attracted to like, man, if you believe in Jesus, you're gonna get this car, this house all of that stuff. They're really, what is really happening in this new age prosperity is, is a prosperity gospel that's saying, man, the gospel is all about you. So your breakthrough, your, your season, your whatever, you know, that's what it's about, right? What the Lord can do for you. And so they're, they're, they're kind of, they're feeding on that. They're listening to that and they're internalizing it. And we're having to undo some of those things. And I think another thing, lastly, uh, is something called nominalism. So that means Christian by name alone. So we got students coming in saying, yeah, I'm a believer. Monday through Saturday, they're wilding out, and they're saying they're a believer of Jesus Christ, not living in obedience to Christ, not reading the scripture, not going to church, right? I mean, they're going to church. My fault. Let me say that. They're going to church as a formality, but not actually really being invested in the gospel. So we're having to address those things as well. So those are just some of the challenges that we face uh, with Gen Z. Oh, sorry. Have you come across having to deal with negative consequences of what the students are seeing as far as political environment is concerned, as far as ministers in a political environment? Yeah. Has that been a negative effect to that? 